My name is Herb Montgomery, and I'm the director of Renewed Heart Ministries. We are a not-for-profit group that is passionate about rediscovering, following, and helping others rediscover the teachings and sayings of the historical Jesus of Nazareth. We believe that these teachings have an intrinsic value in informing the work of nonviolently confronting, liberating, and transforming our world into a safe, more just, more compassionate home for us all. If you would like to support the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, I'll tell you how you can do so at the end of this podcast. For now, we simply want to thank you for listening. This is Herb Montgomery from Renewed Heart Ministries, and I want to welcome you to this week's weekly podcast. This is episode 174 of the Jesus for Everyone podcast. Our title this week is For and Against John. Our feature text is Sang's Gospel Q7, 29 through 30. For John came to you. The tax collectors responded positively, but the religious authorities rejected him. Companion texts are Luke 7, 29 through 30. Uh, all the people, even the tax collectors, Collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. And Matthew 1, 21, 32, uh, for John came to you to show you the way of righteousness and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes did. And even after you saw this, you did not repent and believe in him. So number one, an appeal to John's followers. So let's step back and, and, and look at what's taking place in Sang's Gospel Q so far. We've ended the, the core of Q's teaching section, and next was the, the story of the centurion that set us up for Jesus's interaction with John's disciples. And this focus on John's followers uh, can be further subdivided into four parts. Uh, number one, John's inquiry, which is from Sang's Gospel Q 7, 18 through 23, and then the section entitled More Than a Prophet, which is Sing Gospel Q 7, 24 through 28. That was the last week's uh, uh, podcast. Number three, For and Against John, which is this week's from Sing, Sing's Gospel Q 7, 29 through 30. And then number four, uh, which will be next week, uh, This Generation and the Children of Wisdom, Sing's Gospel Q 7, 31 through 35. And I believe the Q community used this section of the writings to reach out to John's former followers and to welcome them into the Jesus community. These two communities overlapped, and this part of the Sang's Gospel Q attempts to combine the communities into one in both Judea and in, in Galilee. And these followers would have been minorities within the larger Jewish population. And it's not hard to imagine them pressing together to, to find community and support. And what can we learn from uh, uh, today? What can we learn from, from this week's saying? Well, let's talk about tax collectors and Pharisees. Today, we often contrast tax collectors and Pharisees in terms of the Jewish Torah tradition. The, the Pharisees are presented as strict adherents of, of Jewish purity codes, whereas tax collectors are assumed to, to have colluded with Rome and, and lived disregarding the Torah. But this contrast is a great oversimplification. 
action and it fails to to challenge the status quo in our own thinking. There was a cultural contrast between the first century tax collectors and the Pharisees. And to see it, let's go to a story that only appears in Luke's gospel. We'll come right back to Q, but first consider the story of the rich man and Lazarus that Jesus told in Luke 16, 19 through 21. The story begins this way. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. This introduction includes background references that the the first audience would have recognized. J. Jeremiah shares that background in his book, Parables. In page 183, he writes, in order to understand the parable in detail and as a whole, it is essential to recognize the first part derives from a well-known folk material. This is the Egyptian folk tale of the journey of Osiris uh, to the underworld. Alexandrian Jews brought this story to Palestine, where it became very popular as the story of the poor scholar and the rich publican Bar Majan. Now, now this story was typically told as an afterlife reversal of fortunes tale involving a, a tax collector and a Torah scholar. And the, the scholar uh, character uh, alluded to the Pharisees. And the common way to, to tell the story contrasted the, the character's regard or disregard for the Torah's purity codes. Yet Jesus does something more economically subversive than religiously subversive. His version changes the story in a way that the audience uh, couldn't miss it. Uh, Jesus's version of the story didn't emphasize the tax collector's disregard for the Pharisees' interpretation of Torah, but instead contrasted those who were wealthy with those who were poor. It was an economic contrast, and it made no distinction between wealthy Pharisees and wealthy tax collectors. It put them in the same group. Uh, the immediate context of the story in Luke is Luke 16, 14. The Pharisees who, who loved money heard all this and were sneering at Jesus. And remember that even the Pharisees of the school of Hillel, um, who practiced a much more progressively, uh, it was much more progressive spirituality than the school of Shammai, they nonetheless practiced and taught Hillel's prosbul in the area of economics. And we explored what the prosbul meant in uh, the podcast, Renouncing One's Rights. I'll put a link to that in this week's e-site. But, but Jesus was a Jew and, 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 and not opposed to Judaism. And when we understand how much the teachings of Jesus and the teachings of Hillel, um, or at least Hillel's pharisaical school, agreed, we begin to see that, that, that what brought Jesus into conflict with the religious elite of his day wasn't so much his religious teachings as much as it was his economic teachings. The, the, the Luke story shows that Jesus faced rejection from the Jewish elite, uh, not uh, the Jewish people themselves, and not for religious reasons, but for economic ones. And this is a very human dynamic between calls for, for mutual aid and resource sharing and our universal greed and, and, and our selfishness. So, so back to our saying this week, and I want to challenge you this week to, to look at our saying in economic terms. 
we usually see the tax collectors and the wealthy Pharisees as belonging to two separate camps, but that's not what the narrative describes. In this part of the text, the tax collectors and the wealthy Pharisees both belong to the same economic class, and they both oppressed the poor. They both belong to the wealthy elite. But at this point in Sang's Gospel Q, the writer wants us to know that the tax collectors, uh, that the religious leaders viewed as sinners, they actually embraced the teachings of John and Jesus, whereas the religious wealthy elite simply did not. And we see this dynamic today among the secular and religious populations here in America. And there are exceptions to what I'm about to say. Uh, Yet I see a, a large number of secular people who in social and economic matters embrace the teachings of Jesus, while large swaths of religiously conservative people uh, show great ignorance or even disregard for Jesus's social and economic teachings. Religiously, they worship Jesus, uh, and they may have an incredibly high notion of him. But uh, at the same time, they are passive about uh, about following what Jesus taught about the social and economic matters that are still relevant today. And in the teachings of Jesus, um, especially that we're looking at this week, we learn that the tax collectors and the wealthy Pharisees, again, they were in the same econ- they were the same in economic terms. They were wealthy. So the tax collectors, uh, they ceased being just sinners whom Jesus ate with. Um, though the religious elite called them sinners, Jesus described the tax collectors as the people who actually responded to him and followed his economic teachings. And what does this mean for us today? Uh, responding to Jesus uh, may not seem uh, very religious, and it might not gain us the, the approval of the religious elite. The tax collectors in Jesus's day didn't respond to him by becoming more faithful to the purity codes, uh, but their lives did radically change, especially in economic terms, as they joined the, the followers of Jesus in indiscriminate care for the poor. And this saying might also mean that we find some people outside of the church universal uh, living lives more and harmony with the teachings of of the historical Jesus, even as they are in in deep disharmony with the religious culture of Christianity. We might find large numbers of those who who proudly carry the title of Christian who are further away from following the teachings of the historical Jesus than their more secular human siblings are. So the community of Saints Gospel Q calls us to remember in Q648, why do you call me master and do not do what I say? In Luke 6, remember, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? As everyone who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. Matthew takes um, 6.46 and and expounds upon it. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles, then I will say to them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And we've covered this 
these sections, these sayings before and uh, 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 not just saying master, master and houses built on uh, rock or sand. And I'll put links to both of those uh, e-sites and podcasts in, in uh, uh, this week's e-site also. But again, I, I want to emphasize that uh, we're not putting Jesus in competition with Torah. Uh, Sayings Gospel Q isn't about Torah observance. It's simply interesting that the people in Jesus's culture who were who who were labeled as sinners, and that means not observing the Torah, were the ones who embraced John and Jesus's economic teachings. While those who thought themselves to be very strict about the purity codes of the law, they didn't embrace those teachings. And yet Jesus's teachings was was more in harmony with the Torah's economic teachings than Hillel's teachings were. Um, who really observed the Torah? That's a great question. And the people who who uh, complied with the schools of Hillel and the Prosbul or, or, or those who did what Jesus taught? If this is true, Jesus didn't threaten the religious leaders because he taught a, a radical new religion like Christianity. Jesus was crucified because his economic teaching was, was gaining momentum. The temple protest narrative in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, was less religious and more about a system of exploitation that the temple aristocracy had become the center of. Hillel had had taught that people could make atonement with deeds of loving kindness rather than animal sacrifice. He said, I desire love, not sacrifice. And and Hillel wasn't crucified for for this religious teaching. Instead, he was regarded as one of the most progressive and enlightened rabbis in all of Jewish history. So it's important to see that Jesus's rejection was limited to to the privilege Privileged elite and was not primarily religious, but uh, economic. And so if today you find yourself resonating with Jesus's socio-political economic teachings, but, but out of step with most things Christian or religious, you're not alone. You're in the right story. And remember what sayings Gospel Q states, for John came to you, the tax collectors responded positively, but the religious authorities rejected him. That's Q7, 29 through 30. Heart group application this week. This week, go through the Gospels and make a list of all the changes that you see Jesus teaching. And note the chapter and the verse reference where his teaching is taught. And then number two, next I want you to make a separate list of the changes that you've noticed contemporary Christianity expecting people to make when they choose to become a Christian. And then number three, I want you to sit down with your heart group and discuss what your two lists have in common and and where they differ. It's healthy to recognize when the changes we expect a new Jesus follower to make have nothing whatsoever to do with what Jesus of Nazareth actually taught. Some big ticket items to Christianity today were never even mentioned by Jesus, not even once. And and some large elements of Jesus's teachings aren't highly prioritized today. So discuss with your group uh, what you're learning and, and about how to follow the teachings of Jesus more deeply. And thank you once again for, for joining us this week and, and for journeying with us through this series. I hope it's a blessing to you. I hope it encourages you, that it renews your heart, that it inspires you, and it empowers you to continue you following the teachings of Jesus more deeply. I'm so glad you're here with us. Keep living in love till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns. I love each one of you dearly. I'll see you next week. Thank you once
once again for listening. Everything we do here at Renewed Heart Ministries, even our our many educational events that we do in various venues is for free. If you'd like to support our work, you can make a one-time gift or become one of our monthly contributors by going to RenewedHeartMinistries.com and clicking on the Donate tab on the top right. Or you can mail your contribution to Renewed Heart Ministries, P.O. Box 1211, Lewisburg, West Virginia, 24901. And make sure you also sign up for our free resources and remember, every little bit helps. And, and as always, anything that we receive over and above our annual budget, we happily give away to other not-for-profits who are, are making both systemic and personal differences and significant differences in the lives of those who are not presently benefited by the status quo. And to those of you who are already supporting the work of Renewed Heart Ministries, thank you so much. Your generous support makes it possible for us to exist and to continue you being a presence for positive change in our world. So with all of our hearts, thank you. Together, we are making a difference till the only world that remains is a world where only love reigns.